You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh weekly. For more hot takes, go and give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. I always keep it funny and I always keep it cute. And if you're like me and you want to stay up to date with the latest reality tea, then go and give us a follow at No Filter with Zach on the Instagram OMG, you guys can always join our private Facebook group. The link is in the description below. Wowzers, wowzers, wowzers. Welcome on in, everybody. Welcome on in. Right now, I hope you've cracked open a can of Housewives Inspired Wine for yourself. I designed it perfectly with my pals at Elix. It is a fizzy white wine and a fizzy rosé inspired by some of our favorite, most iconic Housewives moments available at nofilterwine.com. I was about to ask where you are. I'm right here. Wait, I'm right here. Hi, 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 guys. Hi, Melanie. Lexi, Eve, Zach, you bringing that fire. Oh, oh, yeah, you know, I got big, big energy. Okay, so we have a lot to talk about today. As I mentioned at the top, we're talking about Randall Emmett, the expose on um, in the LA Times. Oh my God, you guys are so sweet. Chrissy 37G with the badges. Kenny G 1064. Thank you guys for the badges tonight. Oh, t- you guys, it's going to be spicy tonight. It's going to be good tonight. Um, the Randall T is good and the Erica Jane earring stuff. We're going to get into all of it. I'll take all of your questions at the end. I'm going to try to get through as many of the details and the facts as quickly as possible at the top of the live then I will open it up and respond to people in the Q&A. If you're listening to this on the podcast, this is a rebroadcast of our Thursday Night Live. We go live every Thursday night on Instagram and on YouTube, youtube.com slash JustPlainZach, which if you guys are watching this on YouTube, hit that like button, smash that Oh, smash that like button, hit that subscribe button, and hit the bell notification button. That way you always know when we're going live and when there's hot tea to be spilled. Okay, so... Like I said, I'll be responding to the lives later in the show because I know on the podcast people get mad at me and they're like, stop talking to the people in the lives. But I like to just say hi. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Patty. Hi, Storm Doors. Hi, Melinda. Hi, Mary Ann Stout. Of course, Rosé all day, every day. Oh, crrr. Mary Ann Stout knows what's up. All right. Hi, Val. Okay, let's dive into it. Let's start with the Randall Emmett of it all. Um. Okay, so in a new expose by the LA Times, it's been revealed that Randall is facing nearly a dozen lawsuits, accusations of fraud, unpaid wages, rising debts, and abuse allegations, all of which his team is denying. There are some things that his team responded to, and most of it they're saying, that's not true, that's not true, that's not true. And we're about to find out what's true and what's not true, because it is, whoo, this whole thing is giving me like Girardi vibes meets Chrisley vibes meets Harvey Weinstein vibes. Like he just decided, let me pick some of the three biggest scandals recently and let's just throw them all together and do a whole L.A. Times expose. (sighs) Okay, so his debts are estimated to be at a total of twenty five million. So for me, I'm just kind of like, all right, well, Lala's kind of lucky that she got out when she did, because, girl, it's time to buy your own Gucci slides. And we got you. We got you, Lala. We got you. We support you. We're with you. We want you to get that child support money, honey. Um, so Lala's actually interviewed in the piece, but his reps, Randall, his reps are saying that all of this, this Times article and Lala's quotes in it are all just her attempt to hurt his reputation so that it can help her custody battle. She is trying to go for full custody because she's claiming that Randall... Um, does drugs and I mean she is open to letting him see Ocean I believe but she like wants him to do random drug tests and like there's a series of things that she's requesting he do in order to be able to see his daughter 
or in order to be able to share custody. I believe she wants primary custody, though. Anyway, the piece goes into uh, Randall's rise in success, starting with being Mark Wahlberg's assistant. That's what really opened a lot of doors for him and led to him ultimately working with George Furla, who was his recent business partner at Emmett Furla Oasis, which is their production company. That's how they're producing all of these different films. So he was really hungry. People described him as kind of just like, I don't know if bulldozer is kind of the way to do it, but he was just very much like people would describe him as, you know, if he couldn't get in the door, then he would find a window and he would sneak his way in there. And he was always trying to find a way to be successful. He definitely had tenacity and uh, determination. He was a little creepy and kind of gave off like slime ball vibes, but he always found a way to make it work. So you got to respect the hustle until the hustle goes bad. Anyway, Lala dishes on their Nashville affair, or not their Nashville affair, but the Nashville affair rumors, which ultimately is what led to their split when the pictures came out of him with the girls in Nashville, and then all of a sudden the flood of DMs started to come out. So she was saying that when the news broke, she demanded to see his phone, and she tried to get his phone, and then he grabbed her and tackled her to the ground to prevent her from seeing anything in his phone. And that's when she was like, that's the moment I knew that like shit was up. That's the moment I knew something was off and he was hiding shit from me. And so I don't think she ever got to see what was in the phone, but she was like, I didn't even need to see what was in it. I just needed to know that I wasn't allowed to see it to that extent, which ultimately, boom. Um, Stacy, no filter one is not available in Canada. I'm so sorry, my love. It's only available here in the US and not even in all 50 states because shipping alcohol, the regulations are oof. I'm sorry, but if you are in the US, you can order no filter wine at nofilterwine.com. Um, okay, so the nanny also weighs in in the article, and the nanny says that, you know, at the time, during the incident, she doesn't remember seeing either of them on the ground because that's Lala's accusations that Randall tackled her to the ground. The nanny's like, I didn't see that. I remember there being a phone call where they were unhappy with each other, and I remember her wanting to see the phone, but I don't ever remember seeing either of them, or I don't ever remember, yeah, neither of them were on the ground. So... Sounds like the nanny's definitely siding with Randall. There are also casting couch accusations. There's one woman that's claiming that um, he'd give an actress some parts if she touched his parts. Um, she alleges to have given Randall massages, oral, and even allowed him to... Uh-oh. Oopsie-daisy. Can you guys still hear me on, on Instagram? I just need to know if my audio cut out or you guys can still hear me. I know you can probably still hear me on the YouTube, but I just want to know. I just got a phone call, um, and sometimes that interrupts the live feeds. I'm really hoping it doesn't because I would hate to start this live all over again only because I know a lot of people are already in it. Um, yes, he's a pig. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, good. You guys can still hear me. Okay, perfect. Um, sorry about that. Sometimes when I get phone calls, it, it, it interrupts. Yes, now we can. Okay, perfect. Um, so anyway, there are, there's a casting couch accusation claiming that he'd give an actress some parts if she, you know, did some things with him and she ultimately owned up to it. She's in a lawsuit currently with Gloria Allred representing her. And so basically it's the, um, it's not cutting out. We hear you. It did cut out. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. Just want to clarify that you can hear. Yes. The, guys, I know the YouTube audio is fine. I was referring to the Instagram audio. Okay, so anyway, back to okay, back to the um, 
casting couch accusations. Gloria Allred is representing this woman who's claiming that she did engage in, you know, giving him massages and oral. Um, so that at one point he even or she even allowed him to stare at her naked while he touched his own parts to put it, you know, politely. Um, so that's where, I mean, it was a little weinstein E, And so she wasn't the first woman to come out with this accusation, but I believe she's one of the few that's actually um, pursuing legal action against Randall currently. But when she tried to sue him, they apparently reached some sort of settlement, which was about $200,000. I don't believe that ever got fully paid off because it was payments of uh, payments that were supposed to total $200,000 over the course of two years. So unclear. But another woman claims that he wanted to sleep with her and do hard drugs with him on the DL. We're talking like hard drugs, like not just the sniff sniff kind of drugs, but like the real hard drugs with the needles and the things and the oof. It's it's pretty, pretty gnarly stuff that these women are claiming. Um, but apparently that was kind of common knowledge. And now it makes sense as to why Lala would want Randall to take drug tests. His team, though, does specify that um, he has been taking um, or he has been sober and he has been taking drug tests recently. It's unclear whether or not that's part of the custody battle. I would assume that it is because that's what Lala's requesting is that he take regular drug tests in order to see Ocean. Um, so I would assume that that is all sort of connected. And the fact that he is now sober and he has seemingly given up drugs. I mean, to, yeah. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, thank you, Hamilton, for the, the super chat. Hamilton says, happy Thursday, Zach and Zach Pack. We love you, Hamilton. Thank you for the super chat on the YouTube. Don't worry, guys. I will give some bad shout outs. I saw I am Caroline. Um, I am Caroline Wavra, Wavra. Just drop some badges on Instagram. Thank you, my love. Appreciate you, my dear. Okay, um, so apparently he also offered, and this was at the beginning of their relationship back when Lala was um, just starting to date Randall, but he was still technically married to Amber Childers. He offered to pay Lala $14,000 to sign an NDA to keep their relationship a secret at the start, something he allegedly did with several other women. She says, and her mother claims that she never actually signed the NDA and they didn't accept the $14,000 that Lala's mom came with Lala to actually go to the um, office where the lawyer was presenting the offer and her mom's like nope we're not doing this so she pulled her out of there but he apparently did this regularly um, a couple of women that signed NDAs with Randall tried to talk to the Times they ultimately did uh, talk to them and give quotes and give statements but later retracted those statements saying that they were all lies and they were just trying to hurt Randall's reputation so Maybe they were threatened. Maybe they weren't threatened. Who knows? I'm not making any accusations. I'm just saying maybe they were. Maybe they weren't because they gave some quotes. And then all of a sudden they're like, whoop, hold up. Wait a minute. Let me take that back. I was a liar. It's like all of a sudden we just decided we wanted to lie. Or did the NDA scare you into admitting a new lie? Because you weren't supposed to talk. Anyway. Um, his former assistants are also speaking out. They claim that he was a Tasmanian devil to work with. He would make them buy drugs. He would make them help him pay off women. He would even make them pay some of this out of their own pockets. 
like his expenses out of out of theirs. His rep does assure the Times, though, that any assistant that had to pay for anything out of pocket always got reimbursed. I believe there's one assistant, though, that claims that that's not the case and that there are some expenses that he still hasn't been reimbursed for. But I mean, isn't that like a little embarrassing that you need your assistants to cover your tab for you? In the article, there's one assistant that even talks about having to call his mom to have her send him money to cover a hotel room for Randall and Lala because Randall's card was declined. And then he's like, you need to put a new credit card or I believe his debit card was declined. And so the assistant texts Randall and he's like, hey, you have to put your credit card down. And he's like, my credit card's Mac, like figure it out. And he's like, what do you mean figure it out? Like what? And so he called his mom. He's like, mom, I need money. I need to pay for this hotel room. I think I'm going to get fired if I don't. Um, And he was just apparently like not very nice to his assistants and he would constantly threaten to fire them. There also claims that he didn't like to hire female assistants because apparently women weren't emotionally strong enough, according to Randall, another claim which he denies. One assistant, Martin, shared voice notes that Randall had sent him, and the voice notes, I'm not going to lie, are a little chilling. Like, Randall sounds a little distraught and kind of broken down, um, saying that his split from Lala has just been hard on him, but also there's one where he says... I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Like, please believe me. Answer my call. Talk to me. I'm a good person. And it was just very reminiscent. Who said that? Who said I'm a good person in the voicemails? It was very reminiscent of the Tom Girardi voicemails. I'm a good person. Who are you trying to convince, boo? Who are you trying to convince? If you have to tell somebody that you're a good person, are you really that good of a person? Other employees that spoke out as well are denying ever witnessing any abuse while working with Randall. Some of them were kind of just like, look, I don't remember. I don't remember. I plead the fifth for the most part. Others are like very adamantly supporting Randall saying that, no, I did not experience any abuse. I don't remember seeing any abuse. So there are conflicting stories. You have former employees and former assistants that are both giving their sides of the story. I mean, it's possible that maybe there's some piece of it that's in the middle Maybe some of them are getting paid to, to support Randall. Maybe some of them really didn't experience abuse. Maybe there's everyone has a different definition of what they consider to be abusive. You know, I think that's possible, too. Anyway, it exposes some of the deals that Randall made with some of the stars from his films. They We see how much Robert De Niro got paid, how much Megan Fox got paid, how much Mel Gibson got paid, how much Bruce Willis gets paid. The crazy part is Robert De Niro was paid $11 million. Randall paid him $11 million for eight days of work. Days. Literally eight days of work for the film Savage Salvation. Plus, he had all of his expenses covered. His stay, his private jet, all of that stuff. Randall covered it and paid him the $11 million, which isn't uncommon um, to pay a salary, on uh, like a film salary on top of expenses. That's common. 11000 or sorry, $11 million for eight days. That's where it's a little crazy and excessive. I mean, I get it. Like, Robert De Niro is a big name, but that's just a really big amount. Whereas, like, Bruce Willis would only get paid, like, $2 million. Megan Fox, I think, got paid, like, 850000 so less than a million interesting but she's also i get it not like a, an acclaimed actor like robert de niro i just thought 11 million for eight days of work was insane but meanwhile he's paying these big actors these big payments while there are accusations of staff members not getting their full payments so that was a little interesting fofty gate is also mentioned and here's some tea apparently randall bought off one of the nbc uh chairman the nbc vice chairman ron meyer he, I guess 
he didn't want to have any mention of Faftigate in Vanderpump Rules. He wanted all of it removed from the raw footage or from the edited footage when Vanderpump Rules aired because I guess it came up during filming. And so Randall was like, "Mm -mm, I'm going to handle that real quick. What do you want? How much do you want? Apparently, he wanted VIP tickets to the Irishman premiere. And so Randall made it happen just that none of the Faftigate footage would ever air on the actual show. Wild. Wild. Shows that, I mean, you know, influence, corruption, not very good. I'm pretty sure NBC is shaking in their boots. Ron Meyer did not respond to the LA Times article, but I'm pretty sure their PR was like, let's figure this out real quick because this is bad news bears for us. This is going to come back on us and it's not going to look good. After the Irishman is when all of the house of cards started to crumble or started to fall because all the lenders now were starting to hound Randall for the money that they owed him, CC Fofty. There's one project in particular in particular that I find really interesting. Um, Pump. I remember when that first kind of started to circulate, everybody thought that it was related to, because it was a series, it was a television series, and everyone thought it was going to be related to Vanderpump Rules. This was when I believe, it was after the Stassi, Kristen, Jack's firings, um, when they thought Randall was going to form some sort of spinoff with all of the OGs, now that they've been fired from... Uh, Bravo. But so Pump was a series based on the early life of Arnold Schwarzenegger. We actually find out like what Pump actually was and why it never came to fruition. It was supposed to be based on a young Arnold Schwarzenegger and how he like built his career. He got financing on the film and had writers even begin working on the script, convincing them that he had Arnold Schwarzenegger confirmed for the project. But apparently Schwarzenegger was not confirmed. He wasn't even baptized. That's a Catholic joke for those of you that got it. And for those of you that didn't, sorry. Um, I was trying to be cute. But anyway, there was no Schwarzenegger attached to the film. And without Arnold, money stopped coming in. Payments to the writers had stopped. Money was running out. And Randall said, hasta la vista, baby. Hasta la vista. And that's where we see the lawsuit that came in or the judgment. I don't remember if it was a direct lawsuit or some sort of um, judgment from the Writers Guild saying that, hey, you need to pay these writers for the work they did. But he was kind of like, oh, I kind of promised everybody that Arnold Schwarzenegger was attached to Pump because it's a movie about his life. However, I was I made an oopsie whoopsie. I overshot that mark. I couldn't confirm Arnold Schwarzenegger. I figured if we had a really good script and it was all about him, there's no way he couldn't sign on. But guess what? He didn't sign on. And so now we don't have a series. Oof. Oof. More lawsuits started to pop up along with claims that Furla and Randall paid themselves excessive amounts of money, more than they were paying the people that was owed money to. Bruce Willis is especially important in all of this because when money was tight, they'd prop up Bruce in another low-budget action movie to bring in some easy cash. They did many, many films with Bruce Willis, um, presumably because they had a close relationship with his management team, which was interesting because at the top of the article, it really opens up with Bruce Willis. Excuse me. It really opens up with Bruce Willis and it really opens up with um, how the last experience working with Bruce Willis was challenging because he wasn't able to remember his lines. He had to have an earpiece in. Randall was getting frustrated with directing him. And this was all before we ended up finding out um, about Bruce Willis's medical diagnosis and how, you know, he really is in medical decline at this point. So 
all of that to say he was kind of like their cash cow. I'm trying, I feel like there was, that's kind of how it was with Tom Girardi is he would take out money and spend that money, but he would use money that came in. What is it? Robbing Peter to pay Paul. That's essentially what Randall was doing in all of this. And Bruce Willis was just kind of one of the instruments that really helped him execute all of this smoke and mirrors sort of game. But when Bruce's health went in decline, it was just, it was no longer, he wasn't able to kind of pull in that quick cash and it was taking a lot longer for him to find new films to do, you know, everything when the whole uh, world was shut down. I'm trying to say it in a way that you won't have, that YouTube won't flag me for. Um, But when we were all inside during 2020, um, that also put a hinder on a lot of films being made, which prevented him from bringing in more money. And that's when money was tight. So everybody was trying to collect on the money that they were owed. So it just continued to circle down the drain. However, Randall is still currently working. He's working on a new film with John Travolta that they actually just wrapped. The film is called Cash Out. So we'll see how he cashes out of this one because Lala's out there and she's like, cash me outside. This baby is mine. You better believe she's going to collect that child support money. You go, Lala. We are team Lala. What's wrong with Bruce? Um, God, what is he? what was he just diagnosed with? I had it in my notes and I deleted it from my notes and I completely forgot. Um, I want to say it's similar to, or somehow it's kind of like uh, dementia or Alzheimer's. It's like a memory thing. I'm not entirely sure. I just know he was no longer able to act because he wasn't able to like actually focus or think clearly anymore. I'm not entirely sure. So I should, oh, there it is. Um, aphasia. That's what it was. Thank you, Meg. Um, aphasia. He was diagnosed with aphasia. So Google it. And that's everything in the LA Times piece. I think it was juicy about the Lala stuff. It was juicy about the Vanderpump Rules, NBC executive. Um, I mean, him being in debt and trying to chase money and living beyond his means. That's a story as old as time. The stuff with the assistants is a little challenging because you have some that are saying that, you know, this happened. And then you have some others that are saying, no, that didn't happen. So I believe there's a little middle, middle ground there. Um He's not a great guy, though. And if anything, the article made it clear that he was sleazy. He did have some sleazy business practices, just like the Arnold Schwarzenegger series. Um, I mean, but a lot of this is very common in Hollywood. It's very common in L.A. It's interesting now, now that we know because now that we know about the casting couch accusations, because that I think is really big. And the fact that all of these women have come out and shared their DMs and how he's talked about, you know, you need to bang me and I'll give you a movie part or I'll pay you for something. I'll give gifts. He was very good at using his money and his um, not privilege. What's the word that I'm thinking of? His money and his influence to get people things that he wanted for them. It's also interesting because at least with Tom Girardi and Girardi Keese, like they masked themselves under this guise of like trying to help the underdog. We're good lawyers that do good things for people that were done wrong. So with them, they had that veil of I'm a good person in this way. There doesn't really seem to be anything redeeming about about Randall. And I assume his partner, George Furla, is also going to end up being the subject of hit pieces or something's going to come at him. So, okay, aphasia happens often with dementia. Thank you, Patty. Yeah, I knew that there was some sort of connection to dementia. 
Good thing Lala got out when she did. Feel sorry for his three daughters. I know. I wonder what Amber Childers is thinking about all this. Marianne says he only recently paid Lala back child support. Jeff Lewis brought it up on the podcast. He paid her with past dated checks and still is behind. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine she's going to that's going to be a struggle. Randall needs to sell that house. He did list the house. The house has been listed for sale. That was mentioned in the LA Times article, too. So it's wild. Shall we dive into Erica Jane and the earrings? Are we ready for Erica Jane and the earrings? Or do you, do you guys still have questions or thoughts about Randall and the LA Times piece? We already knew that Randall was in debt. Yeah, so to me, that wasn't a wildly shocking. $25 million, I didn't realize it was that much money. We knew he was in debt because he was, you know, he had the sanction from the Writers Guild slapped against him, which I believe was like 500000 We also had the Fofty Gate stuff. So we knew that he was borrowing money and not able to pay everybody back right away. Sarah Bow says, wonder if some of the mess will go back to Wahlberg. They're, try- they're trying to link it to him. They tried to get Mark Wahlberg to comment on this. So here's my thing. Here's my story with Randall. We'll get into the earrings momentarily. But so my experience, and I think I've shared this with some of, the, some of you guys, there was a celebrity poker tournament that Randall and Lala were supposed to be at that I was organizing. Um, and they were supposed to come to the event. And then at the very last minute, didn't end up coming. And I remember being around other people who were kind of like, hmm. I don't think he's actually going to show up. I think he's going to flake. Him and Lala are going to come up with some excuse at the last minute and they're not going to end up showing up. They made us jump through so many hoops, though. I think it was more of him rather than Lala. But like they were, you know, we had a hotel for them. They were like, no, we want to stay at Trump Tower in downtown Chicago. When the event was like not it was in the suburbs, it wasn't in the city. So it was a bit of a trip. So we had to get car service from them from the plane to Trump Tower for them to get ready there. And then they were going to come to the event afterwards and they wanted certain suites he wanted a suite for his trainer and jesse metcalf was supposed to come to the event too and he was going to bring him all in his private jet and then at the last minute as to be expected they ended up bailing like hours before the event was supposed to start which was wild to me um but i also remember hearing that even when around that time due to that event and due to them pulling out there were people part of that event that were very clear that he wasn't very liked when he was Mark Wahlberg's assistant, that people remember him from that time and that he was not, he was never really well embraced. And I guess that, that sentiment is echoed a bit throughout the article that people didn't really like him. They found him very obnoxious. Yeah. Very snaky, very snake oil salesman, just like not, not the vibe. Thank you. Next. Okay, let's move on to Erica Jane and the case of the earrings because it's finally been resolved. Let me have a sip of water. Okay, so the damn earrings that nobody will fucking shut up about. Let's get into it. There was a pair of earrings that were purchased in 2007 by Tom Girardi as a gift for his wife, Erica Girardi. They were purchased for $750,000. However, they were recently linked back to a client trust account from a Resolin lawsuit in which clients claim to have been injured by by the diabetes drug. Resolin is the manufacturer. Girardi Keys represented the clients and won a settlement for them. The settlement was placed into a trust account, and now we've come to find out that the money that there was money that was taken out of that trust account, and that was the money that was used to purchase this specific pair of diamond earrings. 
when they came into question, Erica and her attorney turned over the earrings and had them placed into a safety deposit box until a judge made a ruling on what should happen to them. Okay, I know that's not what we're hearing in the news. The news is telling us that Erica refused to turn over the earrings, which is like, yes and no. They were turned over um, and we found, yes, they were turned over. They were put in a safety deposit box. So, and they were put in the safety deposit box until a judge could determine what was supposed to happen with the earrings. Should the earrings go back to the clients directly? Should the estate get them and liquidate them? Can Erica keep them? Is she allowed to keep them because it was technically a marital gift? It was something that was gifted to her and not something that, you know, she purchased as part of the law firm. Um, So there were all these questions because it's like, the money, the argument that was being made was that the money is technically the client's money, so they're the ones that should be suing for the earrings. Um, but the estate was the one, the, the trustee is the one that was fighting for the earrings, and Erica was also fighting f- to keep the earrings. So Larry Gabriel appeared in court this week on behalf of the bankruptcy trustee and Evan C. Borges on behalf of Erica Girardi regarding the damn earrings. So... It was revealed that the trustee is the one that has been in possession of the earrings with access to the safety deposit box that they were placed in this whole time. So Erica has not been in possession of the earrings. They were in the possession of the trustee, who is the only one that apparently had access to the safety deposit box. So that was a clarification because that's not what we're actually hearing in the news or on social media. Now, I'm not saying that it's great that she wants to keep the earrings. I'm just saying let's separate fact from fiction. And the fact is she was not in possession of the earrings once they were pulled into question and she was asked to give up the earrings. Her legal team cooperated. They gave up the earrings. The trustee has since been in possession of those earrings for some time now. The earrings themselves have still not yet been appraised, which to me is crazy. So we know that the earrings were purchased in 2007 and they were purchased for $750,000, but we don't know the true value of them today. That's currently estimated at 1.4 million. That's an estimate given by Radar Online. I don't know where they got that number from or if that's kind of their own sort of investigating, but they haven't been officially appraised by an expert. The judge seemed to be kind of upset about that. So she then had to, um, or the judge then made the trustee take them to an expert to have them officially appraised. So Erica's attorney appeared in court to argue that as a gift from her husband and without any knowledge of the crime committed, that the earrings technically should belong to her. He argued a few things. The first thing being that the clients themselves should be the ones that are suing, not the trustee, questioning the motive of the trustee, essentially. The second argument he tried to make was statute of limitations, saying that this purchase was made over 15 years ago, so the time to claim them has expired, you know, that there's a certain window when you can make a claim like this, and that window has expired, which is probably because the limit has, there is a statute of limitations, that's probably why the clients themselves aren't directly suing is because time's up on it. Um So yes, statute of limitations does technically apply. However, in this case, it doesn't apply because it's the trustee that's working on behalf of the estate. 
And then the third argument that he tried to make was that the earrings were purchased with the fee, the lawyer's fee, that was entitled to Girardi Keese from the settlement. So Girardi Keese was owed a commission fee of the two, which was uh, $2 million. So from the settlement, Girardi Keese was entitled to $2 million, and that was their lawyer's fees. And the earrings were 750000 at the time. So therefore, the argument was that it's plausible that the earrings were purchased using the attorney's fees. Now, the issue with that, though, is that the money was pulled directly from the client trust account to purchase the earrings, which ultimately made the judge rule in favor of the trustee, claiming that Erica Jane has no legal right to the earrings and that she therefore was not allowed to get them back now that the judgment had been. So it's not like she had them in her purse and, you know, she was like, I'm not giving up these earrings, which is kind of the narrative that's going around. Um, so the trustee essentially gets to keep these earrings and then liquidate them. To me, it's like, does she really want the earrings? Is it really sentimental value or is it like a legal strategy to preserve assets in case she needs to liquidate them to pay off other creditors in the future? I don't really know. Her attorney claims that she's currently out of assets and her only real paycheck is her housewife's paycheck. Therefore, any property she has, i.e. the earrings, are all she has left and that's why she's entitled to keep them. Do I agree with that? Not necessarily. I'm curious what you guys think. Do you think she has any sort of entitlement to the earrings? I know some people in the DMs were like, "That those were her earrings. Her husband gave them to her 15 years ago. Like, that's her shit. She's not supposed to turn those over. Um, yeah, I'm curious what your thoughts are. Um, but here's where it gets interesting now, okay? The estate will now get the earrings appraised to determine the actual value. Cool, got it. They will then be liquidated and the money will presumably go to the estate for the Resolent clients that won their class action lawsuits. However, from my understanding, the estate gets the money and then the estate gets to determine how the money is then used, which goes back to Erica's attorney's point that the clients themselves should have been the ones to file the lawsuit if the claim is that it's part of their money. Now, again, there's the issue of statute of limitations, so they probably can't sue on their own, but that's where it gets a little interesting. The trustee, from what I believe, is not representing the Resolent clients necessarily. They're representing the estate, and the estate is the one that owes money. So the estate is trying to liquidate all and any assets so that they can start to make settlements and start to pay out these people. Happy birthday, Aoku. Happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. I see everyone giving you shout outs for happy birthday on the YouTube live chat. I did give you a little shout out in the DMs. So I appreciate you, my love. Happy birthday. Um, Yes, they should go back to the trust account. Yes, I agree, Kenny G. That's what should happen. And that's what the likely um, right thing should be. However, what a not so pretty mess. Yes, Kenny G. That's what should happen. And this is where I understand where Evan C. Borges, not saying that I agree with Evan C. Borges, but this is where I understand where he's saying the, the client themselves should have gotten representation, maybe Jay Edelson, maybe Ronald Richards, um, who knows, but they should have had representation themselves that can ensure that those earrings go directly back to the clients. Whereas right now, it's not clear that that's what's actually happening. 
Like that's, there's no, from what I understand of all of this, and again, I'm just a simple blonde podcaster, but from what I understand about all of this, it's not in stone that the estate has to use, let's say the 1.4 million is accurate, right? Well, actually, the client isn't entitled to 1.4 million. The, t- the client is only entitled to 750,000. So either way, the trustee does still benefit from the sale of the earrings should we determine that the value has gone up and not depreciated. That's why we need an expert to come in and have the earrings appraised. I think people are assuming that once the earrings are liquidated, that they'll be liquidated for the $1.4 million and that $1.4 million will go directly to these clients. That's not the case. We don't know how much the clients are owed in total, but we do know that there's at least $750,000 that is owed to the clients. But it it is also interesting because we don't then determine if or how or when or what Girardi Keese's fee should be because we know that Girardi Keese should have gotten a $2 million attorney's fee from the total settlement. It's all very up in the air, you know, and that's why there are so many questions. And that's why when people are just like, just turn over the earrings and that'll solve everything that it's not that simple, guys. Like, that's why I'm like, I get frustrated with people on Twitter because they're just like, she's greedy and she wants the earrings and it's just about the earrings. And it's like, it's so much more complex than that. Um, for all the reasons I just brought up and all the questions that I just asked right now that we don't necessarily have answers to. So we don't know what's going to, we don't know the value of the earrings for certain, and we don't know what's going to happen to that money once the estate gets it. Once the trustee has that pile of money, they can divide it. From what I understand, they can divide it however they want. So they can give some of it to these Resolent clients or they can, I know that right now they're trying to settle with many different lenders and many different creditors right now, including some of the the former clients of Jordy Keys and including some of the people that lent Tom money. They're trying to broker deals right now. So it's... Yes, go back. I know, Hamilton, it should go back to the client trust account. I want it to go back to the client trust account. Zach, Tom probably took their fee and bought Erica another gift. Again, that's very likely as well, Patty, um, but we don't know that. And from what I understand, that's not what he was doing, and that's why all of the books are so messy, is he wasn't taking a portion. So the settlement should have come in. Girardi Key should have gotten their fee. That should have been removed, and then whatever was left over should have been in the client trust account for the client. That's not what was happening. He wasn't taking his fee out. He was... um just dipping into the client trust accounts, which is a major, major no-no, major, major no-no. Patty, I think it should go to the people the account came from. Now they have to get and pay for another attorney. I believe I want to give the trustee the benefit of the doubt, and I believe that the trustee will do the right thing and liquidate these earrings and play that cl- and make sure the client gets that $750,000 put back into their trust account, or at least it goes to them. I feel like she may be entitled to them, but a smart, empathetic person would just be like, give them. Yeah, I agree. I think the empathetic thing to do is to just be like, look, fuck it. I don't want the earrings. It's blood money. sentimental value doesn't mean anything to me at this point. I get that. Emily explains, uh, first filed, first paid. Yes, I know, Mary. Marianne, first filed, first paid. And from what I understand, the Resolent clients haven't filed anything. A lot of these clients haven't 
filed. The only way we know about these earrings is not because the wrestling clients filed anything. It's because when we were going through the books, we found that there was money in that client trust account that was used to purchase these earrings. That's the only way we found out about the earrings and the wrestling clients not getting all of their settlement. But yes, I do know. I watch Emily all the time. I talk to Emily all the time. She's great. I want to have her back on the podcast. We'll have to find out what topic we want to do. Not and simple about you, boo. Emily B. Um, I bet she wanted to have a prenuptial agreement about right now. I, I know that's right. These men are shady. These hoes ain't loyal. Let me tell you that. Yes, all the Purple Hearts. Love for Emily D. Baker. I love her. Um, but yeah, it was also clarified in court by the judge that though there were accusations of Erica committing a crime by being in possession of the earrings, that's not necessarily the case. The actual crime is the improper transfer of the funds out of the trust account to make the purchase of the earrings, which was signed off by not one, but two Girardi Keys attorneys, two of them. So they're technically the ones that are the ones that committed a crime in all of this. Everyone wants to say, oh, Erica, Erica stole the earrings. She didn't steal the earrings. There were two attorneys that signed off on the release of the funds from the client trust account to purchase the earrings. Those were two lawyers at Girardi Keese. So though there were many headlines about Erica committing a crime and possibly facing jail time for stealing, the true crime is the fact that there were two lawyers with a fiduciary responsibility to these clients and the lawyers did not follow the proper legal protocol to pay these clients and take their attorney's fees. Instead, they illegally took the money directly from the client account, the client's trust account, and used them to make personal purchases. There we go. Boom. Snap, snap, pat the puss. Zach, if Erica were humble and showed her remorse for the victims, this would be so different uh, for her with the public. I agree. I, I, I agree that there were other ways she could have gone about it. I mean, I understand why she was kind of like this deer caught in the headlights of like, what the fuck is going on? I'm trying to process all of this. And maybe her processing was like this tough ice queen exterior that she put out. Um I mean, from what I've seen, and I know people don't like to see it, but she has acknowledged them. There was an interview recently that I posted in the the Facebook group where she talks about, she's like, listen, I think the biggest misunderstanding is that people think that I don't care about the people that were done wrong. All the people that were done wrong, I want to see their them get the payments that they're owed. Like, it's horrible that this happened to them. And I want all of the wrongs to be right, you know? She also says that she's, you know, she has to be very careful and dance on the line of what she can and cannot say. But I also think so many people just dislike her that they want to find any little thing that she does or says to further incriminate her in their heads. You know, whatever. I don't know. I think the my verdict on the damn earrings is that I think, I hope, well, I think the earrings belong to the client. I think the money should be liquidated and given to the client once it's determined what is actually owed to the client. Um, personally, I don't think Erica should have kept the earrings. I think, you know, I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't know why she would have wanted to keep the earrings, whether it was truly sentimental value or she was just trying to hold on to assets. I don't really know. I didn't love it. Um, so the people that are like, she's entitled to keep the earrings. My thing is, it's like if I were in that position, I would hope that my decision would be to just forfeit it in the best legal way 
to make sure that the people that were done wrong were made right. You know, I think Erica is trying to survive. I mean, yeah, I think she's trying, Shelly. Um, it's not an easy position to be in. And I think if any of us were put in that position, it would be very, I think anybody that would have been put in that position would have been getting the same heat from the public. I don't think there was any way to not, you know, to not get this sort of pushback. I bet she sells any remaining assets. She has jewelry, shoes, handbags, clothing, etc. I don't know if she can because if she does and they it's another earring situation where they try to fight her back for that, then any money that she got from the sale of any property will then have to be paid back, whatever the value of that was. So let's say, for example, she sold off the earrings and didn't have the earrings anymore. Then with this judgment ruling, she would have then been entitled to pay the estate whatever the value of the earrings would have been. Yeah, she cannot sell anything. You're right, Whit. The court told her not to sell anything. Yeah, that's true. Patty says, we dislike her because of the person she showed on TV. It was an ugly side of Erica. Yeah, I mean, I... I can't disagree with your personal opinion about her. I'm not saying that she's the most likable. Um, but in terms of culpability, in terms of criminal behavior, like that's where I'm at. Culpability, criminal behavior, all of those sorts of things, those don't apparently, you know, those aren't, those haven't been able to stick. In terms of not liking her personality, that's a whole different thing. You can dislike her personality all you want, Patty. That's your personal opinion. The two lawyers should be in jail aiding a conspiracy to commit fraud. Yes, I agree, but not enough people want to talk about the lawyers. I want to know how Tom is doing for real. Uh, not well, bitch. I don't think Tom's doing all that hot. I absolutely agree. What she does, she'll have a group of people mad at her for it. Every word, look, or move she makes is picked apart and analyzed. Yeah, I mean, look at her. She, You see her pumping gas out at the gas station, and she looks a little disheveled, and everyone's like, ah, ha, ha, look at her. She looks like a hot mess because she lost all her money. And then she shows up on Housewives, and she's fully glammed, and everyone's like, oh, oh my God, let me let me clutch my pearls and and look at her. She's so glammed up. So it's like... What do you like? What do you want? Like, do you want her to be glammed or do you want her to be dressed down? Because if she goes, you know, shopping with the girls on Beverly Hills when they're in a jewelry store, everyone's like, how dare she? But then if she goes to TJ Maxx, everybody's like, ah, ha, look at her. How dare she? Like, it's just like there's no winning in this scenario. So that's why I'm kind of like, I, you know, there's no winning here. People are going to hate me for saying that, but like that's the reality of the case. And if any one of us were put in that position, it would be an impossible position no matter how you tried to spin it. <sighs> drinking like a regular stressed out person. I know that's right, Wit. She lately has been lit on Beverly Hills. And listen, I'm li I'm loving her behavior on Beverly Hills this season. Do I love what her husband Tom Girardi did? No. Do I love what the attorneys at his law firm did? No. Do I love that many people, not just Erica, but many people benefited from Girardi Keese's alleged crimes no. All right. Any closing thoughts, feelings, vibes? Oh, let me do some bad shout outs. Thank you, Lewis Blaze 77. Thank you. Thank you, Shelly Girl, for the badges. Thank you, Kenny G1064. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate all the love you're showing me tonight. 
You guys are so sweet, and I so appreciate you. Kenny G is killing it. Um, thank you guys. Do I like Erica? No, but people will always find something to complain about with the whole situation. I agree. Aniki. I know that's not how you pronounce your name. Your name is not pronounced Aniki. I apologize. Anaki. Anaki? Anak. Anake. A-N-N-E-K-E. Please remind me how to pronounce your name, my love, because I don't want to butcher it. I think saying that you don't like her is enough. Saying her actions is saying her. I think saying you don't like her is enough. Saying her action is the issue. Yeah. Badges are finally on tonight. Yay. I'm so glad the badges are finally back because it's so annoying when people can't get into the badges. Well, what? Uh, come on, Zach. What about Diana and Garcelle? I mean, listen, Diana was a, is a lot. Um, and I heard about her coming into the show and I know she's, she is a lot and she's been a lot and like the oof, um, is she the most likable on the show? No, she's not the most likable on the show either. I don't think Diana gives a shit, to be honest with you. I think Diana's like, you want to, like, you need a new villain. Here I am, and I will be the best damn villain. I'll be Ursula times 10. Does she give an F? No. How many fucks does she give? Zero, zero, none, not one. Oh, Annika. Annika. Annika? I think it's Annika. Um, yeah, so Diana. Erica has not done anything illegal yet. That is true. Um, not to backtrack, but Randall is the new Harvey Weinstein. I mean, that's what it sounds like. These accusations are not great. Randall Emmett is not looking so hot. Danielle does not, or D Diana does not fit in. No, I don't think Diana doesn't fit in, but you're right. Diana doesn't play. I know that's right for him, SMW. She does not mess around. I don't, I, I didn't love her. I mean, from a viewer perspective, it was entertaining to watch her and Sutton kind of have a spar and go back and forth. But I thought Sutton was coming from a genuine place. I get it. Sutton is a fucking um, bacon-eating vegetarian. I get it. And she doesn't seem the most genuine. I think there are other people on the cast that are less genuine than Sutton. But whatever. Um, I mean, Sutton's not coming off all that unlikable. She's actually starting to become off, starting starting to come off a little more likable. And I think these other women are helping to to build that for her. And I love that vibe for her. But anyway, I think Diana was a little too hard on her. I don't think Diana should have gone to the party. Like she didn't want to be there. She shouldn't have gone if she didn't want to go. Um, she showed up, you know, already a little spicy and it didn't get any better. And then Sutton's like, I want to talk to you. And she's like, fine, let's talk. And she's like, I don't like you. I don't want to be fake with you. I think at that point, Sutton should have just disengaged. Sutton should have just been like, look, I'm not going to do it. Like, you clearly don't want to talk to me. You don't want to be my friend. Whatever. Fine. Cool. Peace out. But Sutton wanted to stay there. And then she was like, oh, my God, you're, you know, the worst and you're soulless. And she's like laughing at her. It was an interesting vibe to watch for sure. I'm not going to lie. Oh my God. Thank you, Sarah Bahu. Sarah Bahu dropping in that super chat. Oh, wow. We have 155 in the live right now. Hi, guys. Hit that like, smash that like button, hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. Sarah Bahu says, curious if there will be an investigation into the lenders that knew Tom Girardi was mishandling money. 
Um, I believe there are questions. I believe that there are people that want to know. And I don't know if there is any like criminal um, like action being taken against them or if they're like truly being investigated. I know all the investigations right now are really just to find out what happened to the money. I don't think anybody's been formally charged with anything, but I also think that's because a lot of these lawyers are just pleading the fifth and they're not saying anything and they don't want to say anything. They're just like, I'm staying out of this and not getting involved. So, you know, they're like, I don't know anything. Sorry. Oopsie whoopsie with my Shirley, my Shirley Temple dimples. Tom did not do this shit alone. I agree, Kenny. Tom did not do it alone. Apparently, Tom couldn't even write an email on his own. So the front desk ladies had to have known some shit. Where are they at? Where are his assistants at? All of these people had to have known something. Or at least had to have known more than Erica would have had access to. The people that had access to his email account. The people that had access to his records. The people that worked with him every single day at the law firm. These are the people in question here. They're the ones that would have actually known something a lot more than anyone else. She's coming into her own and Sutton was giving it to her last night. Yeah. with uh, Sutton puts her foot in her mouth. Plenty, but isn't terrible. Diana seems unlikable. Yeah, Diana's like, I don't give a fuck about being likable. No, thank you. Um, Rinna posted that once they argue with Garcelle, the Bravo community take them on as racist thoughts. <laughs> um, yeah, we want me to answer the spicy questions tonight. Um, I mean, listen, did I love that Rinna posted that? No. Do I think that Rinna has a point? Yeah. Honestly, I mean, come on. I can't say anything without immediately being branded as racist. And I've been very clear about this, that I think we need to be more my racism, homophobia. All of these things have such weight to them that when we dilute the argument by spewing it out at anybody that does any little thing that we consider to be imperfect, we dilute that argument and we take away true racism and homophobia from the people that are really experiencing that. You know, I think that's the unfortunate part is we have to know the weight of these words and use them in a way that's that's accurate. You know, when you just throw out these words and you don't really they don't have any weight to them or they don't really mean anything, then the power of them starts to diminish. Right. And we don't want that to happen. We want to hold people accountable for when they do the fucked up shit that they do. You know, and I think we just have to be more cognizant. It's a very cheap argument to throw out some when the way that people are doing it, how loosely people are doing. It. Let me clarify how loosely people throw out that term is very cheap because it's something that you that is hard to argue with because then Twitter gets in this uproar and they're just like, nope, you're racist. You know, I'm not saying that people haven't made, you know, poor choices that are are racist, um, but when we immediately brand somebody in their character as completely racist, we take away an opportunity to actually dive into the issue and try to figure out, well, what was it that was, you know, wrong, you know, because then there, there's also different layers of things like discrimination and racism are two completely different things. Ignorance is very different from um, racism as well. I mean, I think there are elements to it, but, you know, um, Kyle enables fights. I mean, Kyle's job is to do fights, is to, um, is to, um, 
Kyle's job is to stir the pot. Um, no, Diana is 100% racist. I didn't, I wasn't referring to Diana to clarify. I, my thoughts on racism were not specific to Diana. Um, they weren't. I mean, I, I talked about the Diana thing. She said that it was a language barrier. I still think that it was a clumsy, she likes to use that term a lot, a clumsy choice of words. Um, words can be taken out of context. That too, you know, and I think, I just think it's a lot more, uh, a lot more complicated. It's not as simple as we want to make it out to be when we want to hang somebody out to dry on Twitter, you know? I'm quick to judge people who say the wrong things for sure. And listen, we all do. And we're all a little reactive. Rihanna, Rihanna is just a little too reactive, reactive Rihanna. I, yeah, I think she's definitely reactive. Um, You are a minority, boo. People are a bit overly sensitive. Yes, I am a minority. I'm a double minority. Not only, not only am I Hispanic, but I'm also gay. Um, so it is, I mean, that's not to say that I can't be prejudiced or racist or, you know, discriminate against certain people. You can absolutely still do that. We've seen it like with Jenny Wynn on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Um, but I just think it's very different and it's, you know, it's case by case. So I do. So in reference to Rinna's posting on social media about, you know, how they can't fight with Garcelle without being labeled racist, I understand where she's coming from because I don't think that they do these things out of racism. I do these things out of retaliation to Garcelle's actions the same way they do things out of retaliation to somebody else's actions. And the reality is if Sutton were to say it and if Garcelle were to say it, then you wouldn't necessarily, and the reaction were the same to Sutton or Garcelle. Why is it only when it's in reference to Garcelle is it considered then racist? Um, and I think that's the point that Rena was trying to make. I mean, I'm half Italian and a bisexual woman, so I'm an LGBT too. Okay, you go, girl. You go, girl. Um, uh, I don't do social media. Good for you, Coffee Buzz. You probably shouldn't. <laughs> I do do social media, and let me tell you, social media ain't always the funnest. Um or the most fun. The Instagram post was uncalled for. Her response to Garcelle calling her for uneducated. Oh, uh, her thing. Yeah, I, I, I did see that. Very. I saw that on somebody else's account as I was preparing for today's live. Um, Wit says, as a black person, do I think Diana is racist? Nope. I think it was a language barrier. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um. The Instagram post, allegedly shady Shannon. Um, the Instagram post that she posted today about like being like, I take care of Haiti and I take care of your country and da 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 da. I thought that was a little uncalled for. Um, only because it's like I think it came off a little tone deaf and a little wrong in the sense that like I take care of your country. Look at all the charity work I do for Black people. Therefore, I can't be racist. I thought that was a little tone deaf. I'm not gonna lie. I can't support that post. I know where she was coming from with it. I know what she meant by it, but it didn't translate well and I'm just like sweetie we need to like not do these things like we need to hire a social media manager maybe a PR crisis manager or just someone that loves us enough to be like hey let's not do that like look I'll be honest with you there are times not like in terms of like race or whatnot um, but there are times where there are trolls or people that I want to fight with on the internet and I remember one time Adam called me and he's like 
you need to not do this. He's like, you have a brand and you've grown too much. He's like, you're not going to go on the internet and fight with stupid trolls on the internet. He's like, we're not, we don't do that anymore. He's like, well, if you need to, if you need to bitch at, bitch at a troll or fight with the troll, call me and bitch to me about the fucking troll, but you don't need to be getting into Twitter feuds with people anymore. And I was like, oh, thank you. That's a real friend. That's a real one right, right there is when that's what Rena needs to. Rena is a racist, though. I don't think Rena. Oh, my God. We're not going to play this game, guys. Um, okay. So on that note, since, you know, the words that I put out there were completely <laughs> ignored um, and we're still throwing out, l- loosely throwing out accusations of racism, um, despite my whole monologue about the weight of these words and how we need to be more mindful of things and, you know, categorize that appropriately. Um. I will say that I am sending everybody love tonight on this Thursday or Friday if you're listening to this on the podcast. Um, I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. This month I found out we had our highest down- audio downloads on the podcast ever, which is amazing. I love that. I appreciate you guys. I thank you guys. You've been incredible. Um, and I do really, really appreciate it. So we heard you. Thank you, Kenny. Listen, the people that are ready to hear a message will always be ready to hear a message. And the people that aren't ready to hear a message won't hear the message because they're just not ready. It all depends on where you're at and your level of consciousness. And at the end of the day, all I can do is send love to people. Even when we tackle these topics of like Randall and Erica, you know, I know sometimes even my opinions on them, people don't always agree with them. But I love when we don't agree with something, but we can respect each other and respect each other's opinions and just kind of, you know, still support each other as just basic human beings with opinions at the end of the day. So that being said, I hope you guys have a wonderful holiday weekend. I love you. I appreciate you. Great news, Zach. Thank you, Mary Ann. Woo, woo. Let's get it, get it, get it. Um, There will not be a podcast episode on Monday. I, at least I don't think we're going to do a podcast episode on Monday because it's 4th of July. And I want you to, baby, you're a firework. Come and let your boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. Um, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. That's right, Kenny G. So I don't believe we will have a podcast episode on Monday. I believe we're going to take a break for the holiday. Or maybe we will. Maybe I'll surprise you guys. Or maybe something super juicy like a Randall Emmett expose part two comes out. And then, you know, we'll deal with it then. But anyway, love you. Appreciate all of you guys and all the love that you've sent me. If you want to support the podcast, you can always leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can always order some no-filter wine at nofilterwine.com. It's fizzy housewives-inspired wine. What are your plans for the fourth? Um, probably just family. Yes, Friday is Canada Day. Monday is 4th of July. So love and cheers to the Canadians and to all of the Americanos. Thank you guys. Appreciate you guys. I've said that like eight times now. (laughs) But have a wonderful holiday weekend. Get Liddy City. Order some No Filter Wine at nofilterwine.com. And thank you, Hamilton, for another super chat on the YouTube. Oh, my God. You guys are so sweet. All right. Yes. Like on the YouTube. Subscribe if you're not doing so already. Um, And just stay tuned because there will be lots more content to come. All right, guys, I appreciate you. If you want to follow me personally, follow me at Just Plain Zach. Follow the podcast at No Filter with Zach. Subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash Just Plain Zach or listen to hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on all podcast platforms. All right. Ciao for now. Bye.
Bye, 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 bye.